Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us on the Brainstorming to Book Sales podcast. I am Shannon Whittington, and I own Creative Literary Consultants, where I coach authors through the process of writing and getting published. On our podcast, Brainstorming to Book Sales, we talk with authors and those who want to become authors about the authoring journey and really try to dive into the story behind the story. Today, we are talking with Jason Piccolo. He is a U.S. Army veteran and federal employee, and he has written and published two books, Out of the Shadows and Unwavering. So Jason, thank you so much for joining us today, and I can't wait to learn more about your stories. Hey, thanks for having me. I, I love talking about writing. So when I had the opportunity to come on your show, I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I am very thankful. Um, we were talking a little bit prior to coming on and knowing that you're a veteran, my husband's a veteran, both federal employees, your wife's a federal employee. I mean, it's just, and veteran. Mm -hmm. So lots of commonalities there. And raising kids, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Eat dinner podcast. <laughs> yes, that that is life. The podcaster's life is is you run around and you try to like fit the episodes in when you can get them in there. Absolutely. Cause nobody can always come together. Like if I were to say, I'm going to do this every Wednesday at 10 AM, people would be like, good luck. So, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's always a fun balance act. Um, on your books. So unwavering is a border agent's journey. So I guess we can kind of have an idea of what you, have done with the federal government. And then a government whistleblower's first hand account of how the protection of migrant children became a political firestorm. I, that subtitle, <laughs> my gosh. And that's why I put it up there. And you know, I can, I could jump in right away and tell you kind of where the books came from and, and what my methodology was. Absolutely. I want to hear it. So unwavering a border agent's journey. What that was, was that's my, my 20 year career. And about 16 years of that have been spent one way or the other working border issues and, and working criminal events that happened that had to have something to do with coming across our border. So my career started out in a border patrol back in 2000. And then I was a special agent with the former U.S. Customs, which then became ICE later on, uh, working narco smuggling. Uh, I worked for DOD, working Al-Qaeda investigations. I've, I worked ICE as a fugitive's fugitive operations supervisor. And then I worked at uh, DHS headquarters working for the White House Security Council's human smuggling cell back in, back in the day. So I wanted to kind of get a, get a memoir out there of kind of what it's like to be a border agent and, and write my experiences down in, you know, just so if anybody's thinking about getting into law enforcement or, or, or just interested in border issues, they would have a, uh, an idea of what that's like. Well, and I think that's great because I think a lot of people, they think border agent, they think border patrol, they think a whole bunch of men with vigilante personalities standing at the invisible line with guns aimed and ready. Yeah, and it's so not like that at all. And that's one of the big reasons <laughs> I put it out there is because, you know, there's so much behind it and there's so much to the border that it just it's so porous and it's so open and there's so much bad things happening, but there's also so much good. 
And I always, you know, I, I, 99% of the time, I'll always refer to people as, you know, migrants, migrant trafficking. Um, but then there's also the, the underbelly of the narcotic smuggling and the evil traffickers that are, are smuggling people and trafficking them for sex and other nefarious means. And it's just, it's a horrible situation down there. And I try to put it on paper. And as writers, that's, that's the thing is you, I try to tell, especially in a nonfiction realm, try to tell stories based solely on fact. And that can be a challenge at times because there may be some facts you're not so sure that you want to really delve into. There may be some facts that over time get a little bit foggy and you have to embellish just to make it flow. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it can be a, a difficult task for sure. Well, you know, that's one thing I'd like to get into. It's like, I write very, you know, coming from a doctoral background, <laughs> I'm very, very technical. Uh-huh. And it's tough to to kind of write to flesh out the subjects as well as like, you know, regular nonfiction authors, I get paid to do it. Uh, you know, and this is just based on my experiences. So it's hard for me to like, kind of, I don't know, make it seem grandiose as some do, but I just try to say the facts and sometimes it doesn't, you know, when you're trying to write a, a 60, 70,000 page book, it doesn't really, it's, it's hard to come up with creative words one after the other. It really is. So I'm the same way. And I could take a book that I read that's 200 pages long and be like, you could have done that in 10 pages. So, <laughs> cause you exactly. know, it's just give me the information, be concise and, and let's be done with it. But that's not how books sell, right? People want to feel a book. They don't want a pamphlet. No. So. And, and that's one thing I wanted to get into is like, so my next book, the, um, the Out of the Shadows book, a gov- Out of the Shadows, a government whistleblower's first seen account of how the protection of migrant children became a political firestorm. And that's a big breath. That's a big mm-hmm. subtitle. And I made it what I consider, it's a nonfiction short, but I like to call my nonfiction novella. The book in total, I believe, is 80 pages. Nice. Yeah, roughly around 80 pages. And it's straight facts. You know, it, I wanted to get the information out there. Um, almost like, it's like social media nowadays. People want to feel like they accomplished something. They want to uh-huh. read. They want to find something really quick. So I wrote this, not for the profit, but to get the story out there. And uh, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback on it because it, it gets straight to the facts. It says, this is what's going on. This is how it's happening. And, you know, here, you know, you could pay three ninety nine, you can and you could have a copy of it. Right. And you know, you know, self publishing, you know, just as well as I do, a three ninety nine book nets me about seventy cents profit. And then by the time I if I do do any advertisement that eats anything up. So yeah. Yeah. And with that said, self publishing is still the most profitable way profitable way to go. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that tells you something about how authors suffer through the, I want to make money at this conundrum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so tell me a little bit more about Out of the Shadows. So Out of the Shadows is basically what I did was at one time, and I was a, a government whistleblower back in 2015. And a lot of that had to do with the, uh, the crossing of unaccompanied migrant children at the border. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to tell my story and I wanted people just to focus on that aspect so they kind of know what's going on. So I said, you know what? I'm going to write this. I'm going to sit down 
And I'm going to get all the facts I can, not just for my story, but what else is going on in the government concerning that. And I just sat and write and wrote, I mean, for, you know, three and a half weeks straight at night um, while doing everything else in my life. And I got it out there and I self-published it. And um, if you want to get into that, we can get into the whole self-publishing thing as well. I would much rather hear about your story than tell okay. people how to self-publish. <laughs> I just, I find Good. it fascinating, um, the whistleblower aspect of it. Yeah, let me, well, you know, this goes back to my book on wavering as well. So both of those, both of them have the snapshot of my whistleblowing. So what happened was back in 2015, I was assigned to the White House Security Council's human smuggling cell. And that was a, a, a group comprised about 13, 14 people from the DHS components, Department of Homeland Security components, that were charged with, you know, disrupting and dismantling smuggling organizations, you know, operating on the southwest border. And at the time, we were charged with really stopping what they call the unaccompanied alien children migrant crisis. So you were having like, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, even 80,000 children coming across the border unaccompanied um, into the United States. Um, and a lot of them were being used by smugglers. So our, our charter was to go after the smugglers. But what I found out that, so um, let, me, let me backtrack and kind of explain how a child comes across a border unaccompanied and what happens to them. <clears throat> so a child will come up to a port of entry or through the border, the poorest border itself. And a poorest area is, is where the border patrol uh, patrols. And at the port of entry is, is Customs and Border Protection Officers. So either way, one of those two entities takes the child into custody, processes them, you know, checks their welfare and everything, hands them over to ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, who then transports them to Health and Human Services Office of Refugee Relocation. And they then process them and give them to a contracted sponsor facility, who then uh, hands them over to a sponsor. So what happened was, uh, I came across a spreadsheet that said, hey, you know what? These sponsors, the people that were coming in and taking a custody of the children, uh, were not being vetted. Oh. There was no fingerprints being taken. There was, they were just essentially just filling out a questionnaire and then handing these children over to them. Because there's just so many. There's like, so many. Like, you say yes, then okay, we'll, we'll use you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the mandate, wow. according to policy, the Health and Human Services policy, was all sponsors are supposed to be fingerprinted and have a criminal history check. That mm -hmm. wasn't happening. Now, what happened was ICE and part of our cell went back and did criminal history checks on all of those sponsors. Well, not all of them, but 29,000. They did a snapshot, 29,000 sponsors. Of the 29,000, 3,400 were convicted or were criminals, uh, including sex offenders. And wow. I said, and the, by the time I got the spreadsheet, it was a month old. So I went to my chain of command, uh, like any former soldier or anybody who <laughs> does due diligence and said, what are we going to do to get these kids back? And, you know, in my life up to this point, I worked so many dynamic operations from anything you can imagine. And I knew we could go and do an operation to get the kids back. But nothing was happening, and my pleas fell on deaf ears. So I, what I like to call is I legally blew the whistle. So you hear about the Snowdens and, and other people who leak information to the media. Uh -huh. Well, I, I, I did the legal route. I went to the Office of Special Counsel and uh, blew the whistle. And that is, uh, that's what I wrote in my books. And uh, 
that's kind of what I've been talking well, good about. Good for you um, for taking a stand and being willing to do that. You know, there's of course so much controversy about people coming in illegally and what we're going to do for the, all these kids. And I'm not here to get into that debate for sure. At the end yeah, of I the don't... day, they're children. Exactly. And you know, I, and I had access to a database that had pictures of these kids and you know, that, you know, throughout the years, people have been saying, Oh, a lot of them were MS 13. And I'm like, yes, there were MS 13 within those ranks. But a lot of these people, a lot of these kids were tender aged, you know, at the time, you know, I was looking at, it was like babies, two years old, three years old, four years old. And they were traveling with, you know, older kids and adults who would just hand them off to Customs and Border Protection or, or the Border Patrol when it got to the border. And uh, seeing that little babies and little kids were getting released to criminals, there's, there's no way. I mean, any parent or anybody in good conscience would do the same thing I did. Absolutely. You, you would, I mean, you would just have to, if you knew. So it's yeah, I mean, essentially that, that killed my career, but I still, I'm still in the government, but just a different agency now. Right. Because there are now whistleblower protections, but I guess well, that no. doesn't mean, I mean, they, doesn't they mean were also supposed to fingerprint all these <laughs> sponsors, right? So just yeah, because it, there you know, is did. something out there doesn't mean it's going to happen. Well, that is one good thing that came about was my whistleblowing did affect change. So now they have to, um, they passed the policy where Senator Charles Grassley on my behalf went and looked into it and they made it. So all the sponsors will be fingerprinted now. Good. And now they're doing rapid DNA and you know, now I have a voice, you know, if I was still with that agency, I'd probably be in some cubicle underneath the stairs somewhere, but it uh, all ends up working out. <laughs> essentially you know? yeah and now i've voiced so I, I do write a lot of op-eds now um especially mm -hmm. on sex trafficking that's my next book and um i have a new mission you know so regardless of what happens you know there's always another mission so my mission now is my next book is, uh, is about you know domestic trafficking trafficking that's happening within i call it trafficking next door every small town has it and uh the more i delve into that that world, the more I'm finding out that it's, it's really rampant. It's really everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty ugly. Um, yeah, it's very ugly. Yeah. And what a place for you to have to be and have that knowledge. And now it's almost like this deeper need to help and they remove you from the ability to do so. But you've turned that into an opportunity and you're finding and you know other what? ways to do it. A, a keyboard is just as powerful sometimes as, as me sitting behind my keyboard at home writing a book may shine a lot more light on me, you know, sitting with a group of people in a, a small room trying to figure out the problem. Maybe, you know, mm -hmm. I've, you know, it just, it's so interesting now having like an audience. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to be writing another book. Yes. And beyond that, kind of what are your plans? Uh, writing, speaking. Um, I teach college as well. I've been teaching community college online for, for years now. Uh, what else do I do? Um, play with kids, you know, raise kids. <laughs> That's what I want to do. I want to be a good, be a dad. And be I'm a good a podcast dad. Host. <laughs> I, love, I love podcasting. And you do. You have a podcast, right? I do. The Protectors with Jason Piccolo. Protectors. So what is your podcast about? Uh, 
So what I do is I interview um, law enforcement, military, veterans, emergency responders, and those that support them. So I've had probably roughly about 80, 81 guests so far. Anywhere awesome. from best-selling authors, actors, um, SEAL team guys, uh, Delta Force guys. It's just so many awesome guests. And one, one, one caveat, I always say zero politics. You know, I'm going to chat <laughs> 25, 30 minutes, and we're not going to talk about politics. We're going to talk about, you know, just something different. I just pick up on, uh, I don't do any prep besides knowing a little bit about their background. Because I want to I have a conversation with them. Well, you and I are a lot alike that way. <laughs> yeah, I just like to talk. <laughs> <laughs> and the podcast gods are happy um, <laughs> for those of us who just want to talk. That's what exactly. podcasts are all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in speaking, what are your what are your thoughts as far as what you hope to be able to speak about? Well, I've done about you know ten and twelve speeches now. A lot of it has to do with migrant children trafficking. Uh, mm-hmm. stuff at the border. Um, I do speak a lot. I do volunteer a lot with veteran organizations. I do speak a lot about uh, veteran hiring. It's kind of one okay. of my niches. Awesome. Somehow throughout all these years, I have a particular set of skills in the federal government, which is human resources, like hiring and hiring manager type activities. So I do speak a lot about that as well. That is great. And your books that you have already published do you find that a lot of people are wanting to get you to kind of talk more, go deeper? Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Definitely, <laughs> especially when it comes to the whistleblowing aspect. It's fascinating. And it really wasn't brought to the public's attention. I mean, that's been pretty recent that yeah. the whistleblower, even that term has really taken hold where it's, yeah, it's tough to get it's massively tough to understood. explain it you know and to be one myself it's sometimes I'm like oh wow <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how far i want to get into politics when it comes to you know especially in the past six months with how that as they've been talking about it, i've been kind of steering clear of it because it just depends on what i want to talk about you yeah know, i don't want to be on anybody's agenda that's what i'm trying to say well, going into politics kind of puts you smack dab in the middle of somebody's agenda. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> hard to avoid that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you'd have to be pretty squeaky clean, and I don't think many of yeah, us are. I don't, I don't see myself going into politics. You never know. <laughs> and look, 2024, Jason Piccolo for, for Congress somewhere, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> there you go. You never know. Get, in, get into Texas, California, New Mexico. Yeah, exactly. Make some changes. Right? And who knows? Exactly. This could all come completely full circle for you. You never know. (laughs) (laughs) So where, uh, clearly your books are on Amazon. I'm looking at them right now. And Barnes & Noble. BarnesandNoble.com? Yep, BN.com. Fantastic. Well, I hope that people hear this and they take a look at your books and kind of get a deeper understanding of what truly is happening down at the border that isn't coming out of a politician's mouth to try to (laughs) win votes one way or the other. Um, It's interesting to be able to get that firsthand account of someone who truly is down there and has no agenda as to why you're sharing the story outside of just wanting to share the story. 
Yeah, um, exactly. And I think that's powerful and something that a lot of people need to be able to understand and not just blindly follow whatever politician your voter card tells you to listen to. So, Make your own informed decision, exactly. Yes. Can we all just start doing that, please? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's how we'll make some change happen right there. Thinking independently. Novel exactly. idea. All right. And if somebody wanted to reach out to you to have you speak, Jason, how would they contact you? Sure. You can go to my website, jasonpiccolo.us. That's all one word, jasonpiccolo.us. And I'm on Instagram uh, at Jason Piccolo. I'm on Twitter at Dr. Jason Piccolo and Facebook official Jason Piccolo. Basically, if you just Google Jason Piccolo, you're going to find me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I thank you so much for coming on today and talking about your books and why you wrote them and, and where you're hoping to go with them. And especially about your next book, which I think is going to be fascinating because it has to do with more local issues and kind of opening some eyes to all of that going on as well. Yeah, and I have a few articles out there right now on townhall.com. If you just type in a search engine, Jason Piccolo, um, you'll see I have about three articles so far about human trafficking and sex trafficking. Wow, you're a busy guy. I am. <laughs> Tell those stories. You have to. All right, Jason. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you.